Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Atlanta Man podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Rogers, and on today's episode, we'll be discussing the Atlanta Braves as they are on their hottest streak of the year. We'll also be discussing more talk with the Braves because Travis Darno signed a two-year extension early this year, but we'll get into that later. So we'll start off with the results from the past two weeks because I was not here last week. So we will have uh, two weeks of action to cover. And um, it's been a pretty favorable two weeks. Um, over the two weeks, man, the Braves have only lost one game since <laughs> since I was last t- talking here. They lost to the Reds uh, on Thursday the 12th. They lost total three. They got blown out. And since then, they've won nine straight games. They've also won 13 straight road games, which is an MLB, not an MLB record, a Braves record. So the longest road win streak in the history of the Braves. And yeah, they haven't lost since August 12th, and it is August 23rd today. So they won nine straight games. And during this streak that they've been on, they have taken the lead in the division and not just by a little bit they are up five games on the Phillies right now and seven games on the Mets right now so the Braves they had a really favorable schedule um, over the past week um, we knew they had to take advantage of it and that is exactly what they've done uh, they, they went on a road trip against the Nationals Marlins and Orioles and they went 9-0 uh, can't ask for anything better than that they were perfect the schedule does get more difficult now. Uh, tonight they are back home facing the Yankees, who are also on a nine-game win streak. So something will have to give tonight. I will be at the game. So it should be a fun one. Uh, it'll be Huascar Inoa, who uh, returned earlier this week against the Marlins, against Jordan Montgomery of the Yankees, who's having a pretty solid year. A lefty arm that the Braves will be facing. They've been doing pretty good against lefty starters this this year, um, especially lately. I think they've won. I think I saw a stat that they've won ten straight games against a lefty starter, and the Yankees are throwing two lefties at the Braves uh, in this two-game set. So, it'll be interesting to see. Um, what happens with that? The Braves could somehow sweep this and have 11 straight wins. If they sweep this series with the Yankees, it's going to turn a lot of heads because, you know, people are impressed with the nine-game win streak right now, but it is against last-place caliber teams, some of the some of the worst teams in the league, um, especially Baltimore. Who, uh, I just want to talk a little bit about the Orioles real quick. Uh, they have lost 18 straight games. 18 straight games and before they lost by one run on Saturday night they had lost 16 straight by multiple runs which is an MLB record no team has ever lost that many games before by that many runs Um, they had like one of the worst run differentials in this losing streak I'm about to pull that up right now here it is, the worst 18-game run differentials in AL slash NL history. The 2021 Baltimore Orioles in first with negative 102 runs. So during this 18-game losing streak, they've been outscored by 102 runs. And uh, the reason I want to bring this up is because there is a Braves team on this list that is actually pretty recent. They're third all-time. Uh, number two is the 1901 Cincinnati Reds, who were minus 96 runs. And then in third place of the worst 18-game run differential in history, the 2015 Atlanta Braves 
with a minus 95 run differential. And that was uh, pretty much the peak of the Braves' rebuild. So I just kind of want to throw that in there because I thought it was pretty interesting that the the 2015 Braves were that bad. Um, so, yeah. For, for comparison, minus 95 over 18 games is – and the Braves are plus 92 this season. So, yeah, it's – it's pretty pretty bad, pretty bad um, how bad that Braves team was. And it's even worse how bad this Orioles team is, losing 18 games in a row. It's just jarring to look at um, when you just see the streaks on the standings and they are at an L18. It's just really odd to look at. It's bizarre. They are really bad. Um, so bless their hearts. I root for the Orioles now that the Braves don't play them again. So I hope they break this streak here pretty soon. But that's enough talking Orioles. We're not talking Orioles. This is a Braves podcast. But um, I decided to bring that up because I thought it was very interesting and very fascinating how bad the Orioles have been. So, yeah. Um, Last time I recorded, I want to pull this up, the standings last time I recorded two weeks ago, uh, the Braves were 57-55, and and they were two games behind the Phillies for first place. And they were a half game up on the Mets. So, like I said, they have – over two weeks have gained seven games in the standings over the Phillies and have gained, what, what is this, five and a half over the Mets? So, yeah, or four and a half, four and a half, five and a half, I don't know. Not a math podcast, but something like that. But, yeah, they've really just uh, gained some serious ground with this win streak, and it's also because the Phillies and the Mets have been dreadful, especially the Mets, really. Over the last ten games, the Mets are two and eight, uh, not very good. The Phillies are four and six, which is uh that's a little misleading because they were way worse. They actually won their series this weekend against the Padres, but they did get swept by the Diamondbacks this week, who, for most of the year, have been the worst team in the whole in the whole league. But uh, the Orioles have kind of uh, taken that throne from them, but they're still pretty bad. They did sweep the Phillies this week in Arizona, which was quite comical and quite Phillies-like, because uh, you know they have the easiest schedule in baseball the rest of the year, and they are just not really taking advantage of it. They did beat the Padres, though, who are on a slide of their own, which that kind of puts the Braves in the wild card discussion, too, because they have a yeah they have a better record than the Padres right now, and I think yeah, they have the same, same winning percentage as the Reds. So if the Braves weren't somehow winning the division, they would be tied for the second wild card spot right now but we're winning the division. You'd much rather win the division than win the wild card, but it's not a bad thing that the Braves kind of have sort of a backup plan if they do lose the division lead of the wild card, which you you just want to win the division because you're probably playing the Dodgers in the wild card game, and you just don't want that at all. That would be uh, that'd be not good. But um, since we're looking through the standings right now, of through the days, I'm going to go back to the beginning of August and look at the standings just to see how far back the Braves were in comparison to where they are now. I think this is pretty fun to do just because how... Okay, so on August 1st, the Braves were in third place, and they were two games under 500. And uh, four games behind the Mets, who were in first place still at this time. Phillies were three and a half games back. So since then... Well, let me pull up the other standings of the current standings. Since August 1st, the Braves have... Won 16 games. They're 16 and two in August, which is just insane. 
They're 16 and 2 in August. The Mets were six games above 500 on August 1st. They're now two games under 500. Uh, the Phillies were a game under 500. They're now two games over 500, so they've just kind of tread water for the month so far. But yeah, the Birds were four games back on the first, and they're and that was that was against the Mets. The Mets were in first, so they were behind the Mets by four games, and now they're up by seven against the Mets. That's a 11 game swing in just 22 days. That is absolutely insane. I mean, the like the, the Mets have been that bad, and the Braves have been that good. Is how that happens. An 11 game swing in just over 20 days just doesn't happen. I mean, especially with a team that's lead, been leading the division all year, like the Mets have. I mean, they have just completely fell apart. I know they have injuries and stuff, but Jesus, they're just bad. And, I mean, their their schedule's pretty tough. They just had a very brutal stretch against the Dodgers and the uh, Giants where they, I believe, they had nine games. They went two and seven in those nine games. So, yeah, the Mets... I'm not going to say they're dead yet, but um, it's not looking good. And they have a <laughs> they have another series against the Giants. I didn't know that. I thought they were done. They have to play the Giants. They're off today. Then they have three <laughs> against the Giants again. So this is how their last, what, four series have gone. Three against the Dodgers, which they got swept. Then they went to San Francisco for three. They lost two out of three. Then they had to play the Dodgers for four, and they lost three out of four. So over this stretch, they are, let me see, 0-3, 1-5, 2-8, and 8. So yeah, it's been 10 games, and they are 2-8 and 8 in the 10 games of this tumultuous trip, and just a horrible, that's, that's a crazy schedule. And they got three more against the Giants this week. So it could be worse. They're 2-8 and 8 over this stretch right now, and they have two more, so they're probably going to be like 3-10. and 10. Honestly, because they're probably going to lose two out of three, if I had to guess. They're probably going to go three and ten, and they might get swept. They might win. Who knows? It's baseball. But, yeah, the Mets, man, it's tough. You know, you really hate to see it. I'm just kidding. You actually love to see it. But, um, yeah, that is pretty wild. But the Phillies, on the other hand, have a pretty easy schedule coming up. They actually they have two tough games coming up this week on Tuesday and Wednesday. They host the Rays, who are best record in the American League. So hopefully the Rays can uh, get a little sweep there for us. Then they go D-backs for four at home, which they just got swept by them, so you never know. Then at Washington for three and at Miami for three. So that's a pretty favorable stretch for the Phillies. And uh, the Braves, like I said, they have a tough, tough upcoming schedule. Yankees for two. Then they have two days off this week, which is bizarre. Um, that I've never, I've never really seen that happen like a – planned two days in a row off I think it was because this because of the Yankees being in town and they wanted to play a night game so because the Yankees have to go to Oakland after this so I think the only way the Braves could get two night games against the Yankees to get as much money as they could out of the Yankees being in town was to have the games on Monday and Tuesday and have two off days in a row so I guess we'll take it because after two off days you go San Francisco for three at home then you go Dodgers on the road for three and then four on the road against the Rockies, which, looking at it, you're thinking, oh, that's an easy series the Braves. The Rockies are horrible. No. The Rockies are awesome at home this year. They are they have, like, the most drastic home road split out of, any, like, out of any team in maybe history. 
their I'm about to pull it up right now. Their home record is awesome, and they are just awful on the road. So let me pull that up right now. The Rockies. Where is the NLS? Yes, the Rockies at home are 43-22, and 22, which is like first-place caliber team. Like For example, the Dodgers are 42-21, and 21, so a very similar record at home. On the road, they are 14-45, and 45, which... Just to kind of give you a scale for that, the Braves have won 13 straight road games, and the Do- and the Rockies have won 14 all year. So they're just two incredibly different teams at home and on the road, and it has a lot to do with the ballpark that they play in and the elevation that they play in at Coors. It's uh, very favorable for the hitters, and uh, so I guess they're just more accustomed to it, and they, can, they rake there. I don't know what their offensive numbers are. I just know that their record is really good. So that's enough Rockies talk. Um, but, yeah, that's the schedule coming up for the Braves. But then after that, um, it's uh, favorable. Three at home against Washington, three at home against Miami, and three at home against the Rockies, who are the worst team at baseball on the road. So, you know, the Braves don't have an insane schedule or anything. They kind of have little spurts of hard games and then, like, a stretch of really easy games because then after that they go three against San Francisco on the road, but then four in Arizona. So, you know, it's nothing crazy. The Braves aren't having a schedule like the Mets or like the Padres. None of the Padres' schedule is brutal because they got to play the Dodgers and the Giants like 19 more times, which is just insane how backloaded they did that. And so the Padres, it looks like they're not going to make the playoffs because they're already out of the wild card spot. And uh, their schedule is just absolutely brutal. So that's enough of a schedule look ahead and standings talk and game talk. Uh, you know, it's just been a wild two weeks for the Braves in a good way because I've never really seen anything like this, a swing in the standings like the Braves have done. It's honestly incredible that they've been able to turn things around this drastically and this quick. So, yeah, hopefully they can get done against the Yankees tonight. And uh, now we'll move on to Travis Darno, who signed an extension earlier this week. Um, I believe it was Friday when they signed it. Um but it was a two-year, $16 million deal with a team option for a third year that's also worth $8 million. So, no, and no buyout on that either. So the Braves do not want Darno on the, the third year. They can uh, just decline it, and there's no penalty, no $1 million buyout or anything like that. So they can just cut him and – not cut him, but uh, decline the option, and he'll become a free agent. But two years, $16 million, that is the same exact deal – that Travis signed in free agency uh, with the Braves in the 2019 offseason, I believe. So, yeah, same deal that Travis got. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the deal. I think it's a good deal, um, good value. He has been hurt for most of this year, but he has came back, and he has been very good for the Braves this year since he has returned. He struggled very early in the year, but ever since he has came back off the injured list after he tore a ligament in his thumb, he has been really solid. Um so, yeah, you get the you get them for two more years at a pretty favorable number. $8 million for a catcher like Darno is perfectly fine. Um, you know, catching around the league, especially at the plate, it's just kind of a wasteland. Most catchers can't hit, really, in these, these days. That's why people – that's why players like JT Realmuto are so valued um, and so appreciative of how good they are. And uh, kind of like how Darno was last year. Darno was awesome last year. Won the Silver Slugger. Won the 
probably one like top 20 hitters in the entire league last year how how good he was but yeah he he's he's been um really good since he returned. He got his numbers pulled up now. Since returning, he's batting two ninety two, got a four fourteen on base percentage, a six twenty five slugging. That's good for a one dot three nine zero three nine OPS. Uh, he's got two homers. Um, Braves are six and zero since he's came back, obviously because they're on a winning streak right now. So yeah, he's been awesome since he's returned, and um he also, you know he. Played one game. He's actually, I got to talk about Travis Darno's weekend because it's honestly pretty sick what happened to him this weekend. So, yeah, it was Friday. He signed the extension. Get a little bag, 16 mil coming to you in the next two years, you know. So, goes out, signs the deal that morning, head to Baltimore that night. First at bat, what does he do? Home run, obviously. Then guess what? Catches a complete game shutout from Max Freed. Forgot to talk about that, but here we are now. So, yeah, let me just sign 16 mil in the morning. All right, get to the ballpark. First at bat, home run, because of, of course I did. And then I'm going to catch a complete game shutout and win 3 to nothing. And then guess what? Next day later, I'm having a kid. He goes on the paternity list Saturday morning. So, just to catch up to speed, 16 million Friday morning. Friday night, home run, catch a complete game. Saturday morning, I have a kid. Like what? That's awesome. So pretty, pretty nice 24 hours for Travis. Um, I don't know if he's gonna be back with the team today. I haven't seen anything about it, but um, yeah, he was on the paternity list. He missed the last two games of the series. So congratulations to Travis on a fantastic weekend. I mean, you can't really write it better than that. That's awesome. So that's pretty, pretty good news for Travis. Um, now we're gonna get into what this means for the Braves catching prospects, which they have two very notable catching prospects prospects. Uh, one of them is William Contreras, who has made his debut. He's got a good amount of time in the show so far. Um, he was sent down earlier this year because he started to struggle at the plate. He went on like a two for 50 stretch, which was really rough for him. So they got him back down to AAA, and he's been doing good at AAA. He's definitely a uh, high upside bat at the catching position. Um, but he got called up, like I said, because Travis on the paternity list. But he was doing really good this year until he got called down for just really struggling all uh, for, a, for a large stretch of games. So um, he is a, uh, a piece in this, a variable, if you will, of what's going to happen. Um, another one is Shailene Lears, who is a big-time catching prospect. He was a first-round pick by the Braves a few years ago. Um, he is in double-A right now. Um, he is really known for his defensive prowess more than anything. Um, he has been hitting in double-A two this year. So yeah, the Braves have two pretty big time catching prospects. And you know, it's not a bad thing that the Braves have a lot of good catchers in the organization, but it does raise the question like what's gonna happen with these guys now that Darno is gonna be here for at least two more years. Um, and to that I gotta say, I think it's very likely that the Braves you know, I don't. I hate to say stuff like this because it hasn't happened yet. So I hate predicting stuff that just has never happened. But I think that it's very likely that here soon. I don't know if it's this off season or next off season or next trade deadline. I think it's likely that the Braves make a big deal, a big trade, and send over some significant prospects. Because when you're looking at the MLB roster compared to what they have coming up in the farm and guys that are going to be major league players they do have like excess 
players in certain positions. Catcher is one of them now. Darno is here for two years. You have Contreras and you have Langoliers. You know, you can't really run three catchers, especially three of those quality, assuming that Contreras and Langoliers are both going to be good, which is not a given. Um, they could fizzle out. You never know their prospects after all. But it seems like they're both going to be big league caliber catchers at least. Um, so, yeah, it's it's definitely going to be a topic of discussion when, you know, trade when trade rumors are floating around for other guys around the league that you're going to say, hey, we have two catching prospects and one of them has to go because we can't, you know, you can't run three catchers of this quality out there. I mean, you're just not going to have enough playing time for all of them. And another position where the Braves have excess is outfield. You know, they obviously have Ron Acuna, who is out this year, but he will be back next year. So that is one spot filled in 100% all the way. Then you have three big-time prospects in the outfield, Christian Pache, Drew Waters, and Michael Harris. You can't realistically keep all four of those guys because you still have – you know, you're going to have the DH next year probably, but whether you want to hear this or not, the Braves have Marcelo Zuna. And whether you want him to play for the Braves or not, he is most likely going to be on the team next year. Um, from what I can tell, it looks like he's probably going to get a little suspension, but he's probably going to be back um, in DHing next year for the Braves. But that's a discussion for another time. We'll get into that later. But as far as outfield spots go, you only have three spots. And you got Ron Acuna, who is taking up a spot 1,000%. And then you have Pache, Waters, Harris. And then, heck, I mean, you, you never know. The Braves might go get a free agent outfielder. They have Adam Duvall right now. They have Jock Peterson right now, who have options for next year, you know, if they, if they might return next year. So, I mean, it's never a bad thing to have too many good players. I get that. But, um, yeah, the, I think it is starting to get to the point where the Braves have accumulated so much talent that um, – within the farm system and on the major league level, that they're going to have to start cutting some ties with some of these guys and shipping them off for proven talent, proven major league talent, and uh, because the Braves are in a World Series window right now. Um, you know, they've put themselves back in the race this year with the moves they made at the deadline uh, this year. They didn't give up nothing at the deadline this year, really. So, I mean, since Alex Anthopoulos has been with the Braves, he has not traded a top-10 prospect. He has not done it yet. The highest prospect that he's traded was Joey Wentz, and I believe he was the Braves' 16th best prospect, and that was for Shane Green in 2019. So he hasn't traded a top 15 prospect, actually. Um, I mean, not even a top 10, not even a top 15. He just really hasn't made that big move yet, whether it be a trade or a huge free agent signing, which, you know, those are very volatile, you know, as you can see around the league. Some guys get these giant deals, and they just don't seem to be actually worth that money. Um, I don't want to say any names, but uh, I think the Mets the Mets did that earlier this year. Um, so I won't say any names because I don't want to be disrespectful. But the Mets made a signing like that before the season started. So do with that what you will. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much what I have to say about the whole uh, catching situation for the future. I think the Braves should, and I think they will. I think, I think it's coming to where the Braves are going to make a huge move. Because they're just, I mean, they're too good, and, and the window that they have is too big to not just kind of go for it. You know, I don't know who that could be. It might be like a Jose Ramirez type who is with Cleveland right now, and Cleveland's bad, and um, they've got some team control, so they could trade him away. Like, listen, I will send Langoliers, I will drive Shea Langoliers 
and Christian Pache or Drew Waters, whoever it is, to Cleveland for Jose Ramirez. I mean, that's just – I'm not a prospect hugger like the Braves are. I mean, hate to say it, but, I mean, they are – Anthopoulos, he does not let go of these prospects. I mean, he just doesn't. He's a prospect hugger, and I don't love that. I really don't. So, yeah, that's really all I have to say about the uh, whole Darno signing. Overall, I like the deal. Um, I think it's good value for the Braves, and I think it'll it'll definitely be worth it in the future because he's a very solid catcher, and he's been really good since he returned. So, happy for Darno, happy for the Braves. I think it's a good deal all around. So, um, that'll be it for the Braves talk in this episode. There isn't really much other to talk about with the Hawks. They wrapped up their summer league. Not really much there. Uh, Jalen Johnson and Shreve Cooper look pretty good in summer league, along with Skylar Mays. He also looked pretty solid. And uh, the Falcons are in preseason right now. Um, I don't really, I'm not really into preseason that much. I've been keeping up with some of it, but uh, you know, nothing really huge going on with the Falcons camp. I guess the biggest thing is AJ McCarron. He tore his ACL, so there goes the backup quarterback for the year for the Falcons. So not great news there, but I'm just really not that much into preseason of any sport really not a huge spring training guy for baseball either but when the falcons do start which is pretty soon here a little less than a month um i will be all over it i'm pretty excited for the year so have that to look forward to um and uh yeah more brave stuff ahead hopefully next week the braves have at least treaded water in this uh, tough schedule they have so yeah they got five games this week two against the yankees and uh three against the giants so you know, hopefully the Braves went three and two this week. That'd be awesome. Maybe they went five and zero. Oh. Maybe we're on a we're on a win streak still next podcast. So hopefully that will be the case. If you made it this far, I thank you so much for listening, and I will see you in the next one.